This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first reading is from Isaiah. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with the righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. He will be clothed with righteousness and faithfulness. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion, the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples, The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of the Lord. Good morning. As we move through our second Sunday of Advent, our worship theme of promises made, promises kept, are reflected in our reading from Isaiah the reading that has such wonderful imagery, the wolf living with the lamb, the leopard lying with the kid, the calf, the lion, and the fatling together. For most of us, I think this imagery is something that resonates very profoundly with us. In the time of the text, The reader related these images to the Assyrian and Babylonians, who were the wolves at their doors. They saw among their own people the leopards in the form of pagans and idolaters. In today's world, we have our own that we identify as wolves and lambs. Then and now there exists rich and poor, privileged and oppressed, powerful and weak. This text provides us so much symbolism, so much hope. Even in the title of this text, The Peaceful Kingdom, the images conjured up are that of a world that is absent of our societal ills. It's the world that we all seek, yet it's not the world in which we live. And it's not the world in which the people of this text lived. There was, during the time of this text, no hope in anything that was made by people. 
the northern kingdom of Israel had been carried into captivity, and the kingdom of Judea was in the middle of idolatry and evil. The kingdom of Assyria, the wolf of this political situation, posed a major threat to both kingdoms, who were seemingly as vulnerable as lambs. And the kingdom of Babylon, it was gaining power and would soon replace Assyria as the dominant threat, thus making a wolf into a lamb. In view of the fast-changing international scene, the people of Israel would be concerned about their lot in life. What would become of the promises of God? How could the chosen people survive? And must the remnants of the righteousness also suffer with the nation of Assyria? Isaiah was writing to a people who carried a promise from God, but saw little signs that the promise could or would be kept. They struggled to understand how among the chaos of war, oppression, and idolatry, God could not only be present, but be bringing forth the promise made of peace for the chosen people. In the context of this reading, we may may imagine that the Syrians and the Babylonians were truly the wolves, and the people of Judea were simply just lambs. But to do so would imply that all the wolves were equal in strength, and that all the lambs were innocent. Not everyone in the kingdom of Judea and Israel followed only one God. Not everyone obeyed the laws. Not everyone lived according to the commandments. So in the midst of the threat of captivity, war, and oppression, how do the chosen people hold out hope for the peaceful kingdom? What stands out to me is that we have a people who are in the midst of a crisis, and in this they are more faithful to the war, the chaos, and the aftermath of it all than on the promise God has made to them. Judea might want to think of itself as a faithful lamb, but in truth, under the stress and pressure of being a nation among nations, Judah also exhibited wolf-like behavior. The idolatry, pagan practices, and disobedience to the laws handed down through Moses certainly were not behaviors of a lamb. On the promise of a peaceful kingdom, these people are focusing their doubt rather than their faith. In the past several months, we've been part of probably the most divisive conversations most of us can remember. We've spent time the past year or so listening to a conversation that creates images, a conversation of wanting, needing, and working towards a world of peace and inclusion, of equality and opportunity, of greater, not less than. Yet in the daily rhetoric leading the conversation, those speaking 
are branding each other bullies, bigots, liars, weak, deplorables, crooks. And we, the onlookers, we've turned our focus not to the promise being made, but on the rhetoric itself. We desperately want to see ourselves as lambs, but are easily getting wrapped up in the animal nature of human politics. We allow ourselves to fall into the name-calling game. We allow ourselves to separate our society into either wolf or lamb. Well, if we are either wolf or lamb, which am I? Which are you? I would like to think of myself as a lamb. But am I a lamb? What determines whether I'm a lamb or a wolf? Does it depend on whether I support LGBTQ rights? Does it depend on whether I tithe to the church or how much I tithe? Does it depend on whom I vote for? Does it depend on whether I open the door for other people? Does it depend on whether or not I let you merge in in front of me in traffic? And who is it that determines if I'm a lamb or a wolf? Is it me or is it you? What concerns me is that I know I'm a lamb. But I know that I'm also a wolf. Just as Judea thought of itself as a lamb, even though it often behaved like a wolf, each of us are more likely to believe ourselves a lamb despite our wolf-like behavior. How do I, how do we reconcile that? Well, Considering I'm a seminary student, standing in a church, standing at the pulpit, wearing a clerical collar, one might venture to say that I'm going to suggest we look to the Bible. You're right. But it's just not that simple, because as we open up the Bible, we're not able to turn to that chapter titled how to tell the difference between a lion and a lamb. Because there isn't one. You know, when it comes to the Bible, sometimes as we're seeking answers to our profound questions, the Bible can be like a set of Ikea instructions. You know what they look like. They're somewhere between a set of hieroglyphics and a geometry quiz. They have one clear image of that beautiful Broussali Entertainment Center, followed by several images of some 3,256 pieces needing to be assembled for said entertainment center. But what you don't find is the simple statements written in clear English 
that walk you through the how-to of making that image a reality. Similarly, when we turn to the Bible, we don't find that one line, those simple statements that provide a solution to all the world's ills. Instead, we hear God say in one place, be like a lion. But in another, be like a dove or a sheep. In one place, the world is a serpent. But in another, we are supposed to be shrewd as serpents. It's up to us to interpret these passages. It's up to us to use our interpretations and the myriad pieces before us to construct that peaceful kingdom we imagine, to bring together the wolf and the lamb, the lion and the cow. For the people of Israel and Judea, Isaiah giving them a clear image of the peaceful kingdom that has been promised is more than just an image itself. It is their call to be faithful, to live in the promise rather than in the discord. The peaceful kingdom is a promise of salvation made by God and kept by God. The image of the wolf living with the lamb is there so that the people in doubt have an image other than that of war and poverty on which to focus. When they see that image in their mind's eye, they realize that whether wolf or lamb, or both, through the promise of salvation, they are changed in such a way that they can live in peace. We have that same opportunity today. That promise of a peaceful kingdom made then is still being kept today. But in a world where our images are still of war, poverty, and oppression, how do we put together that peaceful kingdom? Well, there's some good news here, and that is that the promise is a gift. We need not do anything to earn it or accept it or to make its future a reality today. God's promise to us is unconditional. But that doesn't mean that we should not stop trying to assemble that peaceful kingdom. To understand how we do that, we again look to the Bible. Here, the how to live as both wolf and lamb in peace with one another is stated in more simple terms. It's stated over and over again. The how-to is made up of just a few simple verbs. Learn, believe, trust, love. Learn about each other so that we can better understand and appreciate our differences. Believe that God is present in us and through us and that in God all things are possible. Trust that the peaceful kingdom is here today. Love one another as Christ loved us. When we dump out all those parts that are the Brusali Entertainment Center, we see 
many parts and pieces that we need to put together to create a single functional unit. The world's not much different. The lions and the lambs, the wolves and the kids, the leopards and the fatlings are all parts and pieces of the peaceable king, peaceful kingdom. The rich and poor, the privileged and oppressed, the straight and gay, the liberal and conservative are also pieces to the peaceful kingdom. The invitation is there for us. The invitation for us to live as if the peaceful kingdom is true, because it is. Jesus the Lamb has come to lie with us, wolves and lambs alike. As we celebrate this Advent season, as we wait for the coming of Christ, let us act out that promise with one another. Let us accept the peaceful kingdom to be part of our every action, to be part of our every word, every single day. Assume that you are a wolf, but act as if you're a lamb. And in all you do, go in peace and serve the Lord.